Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. And welcome, everyone. Good morning. Are you happy, joyous, and free? I certainly am because, you know, I do a lot of dumb things every day. Every day when I put my head on the pillow, I go, what was I thinking? But one thing I know, when I put my head on that pillow, I didn't kill today. And that gives me a tremendous amount of joy. And today I'm also joyous because we have an extraordinary guest, Jasmine Singer, a vegan powerhouse in the house. And uh, she has done so many things and is doing so many things, honestly, to tell you about them, it would just be an hour. So Jasmine, whether it's your work, your book that you wrote, your memoir that is so fantastic, your work with Veg News Magazine, and I've got Veg News Magazine right here that I read religiously, it's so fantastic, your work with the Pollination Project, your TEDx talk, take it away. Where are we, Jasmine, as a vegan movement today in January of 2019? I think we're in a whole lot better of a place than we've ever been in the past. Jane, also, it's so great to see you here on the Facebook Live version of your show and your little dog. So cute. I think we're in a... in. A tipping point, which is actually what Matthew Kenny said when I interviewed him recently, the most successful plant-based restaurateur in the world who owns like 25 vegan restaurants around the globe, recently said that we are finally at a place where we're no longer competing with other vegan products, but vegan veganism is competing with just food in general. And as an animal rights movement, uh, you know, I came to the movement... 15 years ago when I was standing in front of a a grocery store on the Upper West Side doing protests about foie gras. And now it is not about getting people to stop consuming one particular fringe animal product, but rather it's about helping people to realize that veganism is the obvious next choice. I think we've come a really, really long way in terms of moving from the fringe to the mainstream. We still have a ways to go, but I am so excited by the amount of vegan products and people and activists that are coming into my realm all the time. Yes, and we, every Monday, showcase a new vegan event or restaurant. We're going to a a major fast food restaurant today that just added uh, a Beyond Meat burger. And then we hear that um, the Impossible Burger is being expanded nationwide in another fast food restaurant. All that is absolutely extraordinary. And yet the reason I have my incredible mascot, Little Rico, a rescue from Puerto Rico on every time we talk is because People say they're animal lovers. They love, desperately love their dogs and cats, but that circle of compassion doesn't extend past dogs and cats to the vast majority of animals who, when I say who, are factory farm animals. And unfortunately, while the vegan options are skyrocketing and more and more restaurants are getting vegan-ish, that's absolutely incredible. 
but yet the number of animals being slaughtered is not going down. And one of the reasons is a lot of people think chicken is a vegetable and 95% of all the animals slaughtered are chickens. Uh, we just covered a horrific story where a woman who owned an industrialized warehouse factory farm went bankrupt and had to literally kill, they like to say destroy, kill, snap the necks, possibly kill in some way, shape or form, thousands of chickens, 500 plus were rescued by animal organizations. We went live as 15 of those rescued chickens arrived in Texas at a sanctuary yesterday. But the idea that we can turn these animals into industrialized objects that can be stacked as so many things in warehouses is the ultimate problem. What is the solution to that, Jasmine? Well, I think that there are more and more factory farms and smaller operations that are turning to plant-based agriculture, understanding that we can't possibly feed the world with the type of CAFOs that became popularized at the, you know, baby boomer generation in the 50s. And now that our planet is basically, you know, exploding with more and more people, we can't keep up with the demand with meat based products and with animal based products it's just not possible so I think the solution is already happening at Veg News where I'm the digital director I'm pitched stories left and right about dairy farms that are turning into almond al almond farms and uh, various non-vegan restaurants that are totally changing to 100% plant based it's not about deprivation and it's not about having absolutely no way of showing up in our business models. It's about shifting those business models to be plant-based ultimately. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And we're working actually with the Rowdy Girl Sanctuary's Rancher Advocacy Program to transition right now a massive chicken farming operation into a mushroom farming operation. And there's also the alternative of hemp. And there's also the alternative of marijuana as it increasingly gets legalized around the nation. And that doesn't mean that we're encouraging anybody to get high. I'm 23 years sober. Uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic and, you know, once a pickle, never again a cucumber, uh, to use a vegan uh, metaphor. But um, uh, we, we're not saying, oh, go into some other bad industry. There's actually really good uses for marijuana, whether it's medicinal, whether it's um, non-intoxicating CBD oil that doesn't have the intoxicating aspect that's good for dogs. Um, in fact, uh, there is a whole line of uh, those products for animals to reduce stress and pain. So there's a lot of things that people can do. Here's my question to you. You are a media maven. You've written an incredible book. You're a TEDx talker. You uh, obviously have a prominent position with Veg News Magazine. I'll show another cover just an incredible, incredible magazine. You work with the amazing Pollination Project, which we're going to discuss in a second. But my question to you is, what about the media? I was in the media mainstream for 38 years, and there is just a complete lockdown on discussing this issue. Props to CNN just put out a story a couple of days ago that said, basically, we're going to have to stop eating animals. We're going to have to switch to plant-based because our planet cannot sustain it. But it came and went. You have, even on MSNBC, people joking about, oh, how many wings I ate. And uh, my turkey was so big, I couldn't get it in the oven. These are progressive liberals who call themselves environmentalists, who attack, as they should, 
um, the, the administration for pulling, you know, trying to trash the Paris Climate Change Accords. What do we say to them? How do we get through to them? Because I've had the experience when I try to talk to them, they react like I'm attacking them. I'm not attacking them. I'm trying to help them save the planet. Well, I th first of all, I think it depends on the media outlet. Like, as you know, more than anyone else. And, you know, I also founded, a, I co-founded a media nonprofit 10 years ago called Our Hen House, which is really a, not only about creating a space for people who want to change the world for animals, most primarily through our podcast network and the Our Hen House podcast, but also through something that we call Rising Anxieties, which is a segment on the podcast where we're talking about what the opposition and what the media media is saying about vegans and animal rights activists. And oftentimes it doesn't even require any kind of commentary because it speaks for itself. It's kind of hilarious actually. But the but to your point, I think it depends. Like I was trying to pull it up, but Self Magazine has a whole piece on uh, vegans of color and why veganism is so important to them. And that's because, you know, Self Magazine is something that really appeals to millennials and younger people who are actually starting to think about these issues in ways that like m maybe my generation or your generation has not thought about, except for you and I, obviously, and, mm. and, <laughs> and a whole bunch of others, but just primarily like as, as a group, the millennials are driving the vegan machine forward. And as for reaching the media, I don't think that they're unreceptive. I mean, you have a different vantage point than I do, obviously, specifically regarding CNN and HLN. But from where... No, I applaud CNN for... And, and I never talk about my previous employers. I applaud them for putting out that article. They, they laid it out pretty clearly that this is an unsustainable model that has to change. So kudos to them. I'm not attacking them. I'm saying in general, the media is not talking about this as the urgent issue it is. You could talk about the New York Times. They are always talking about climate change. How often do they talk about veganism? No, on their page, they've got a food section and they promote non-vegan products constantly. So there's a real disconnect there that I think we have to acknowledge. Well, of course there is a disconnect. And the New York Times had that piece a couple of weeks ago on like the history of climate change from I think 1980 to now. And, you know, animal agriculture, it was in there, but only in a very, very small amount. I know it's a passing, like a, a passing blip on the yes. radar. But, you know, I'm, I guess it's because of the way we cover stories at Veg News, but I am seeing the trend more and more that we are getting through to the mainstream media. That's partially thanks to celebrity culture and the fact that we've got like Miley Cyrus on our team and these people that just make the headline every time they walk out their front door. But in addition to that, like from a from a bigger perspective, like what you said is kind of jarring about the amount of animals who are killed each year continuing to rise, which is obviously because of the population boom and because of the fact that we are moving toward a world where the rich eat animals and the poor eat nothing. So how do we reach the media? I think it starts with every single person who's listening to this show now getting involved in in whatever way makes sense for them. It's something you've been advocating for a long time that we, we have a moral imperative, not only to stop eating animals, but we have a moral imperative to get involved in the movement to change the world for animals. And that's something that I think each of us can do, whether it's through academia or whether it's through the arts or whether it's through legal means, the Our Hen House brand 
produces the Animal Law Podcast because my co-founder and co-host, Marianne Sullivan, teaches animal law at Columbia Law School. And you see the animal law movement really gaining in popularity more so than I than ever before, thanks largely to, you know, influencers such as Bob Barker, who donated millions of dollars to start animal law programs everywhere. It does get back to the media because when Bob Barker donates millions of dollars to start an animal law program at 10 law schools, then people start to notice and animal law starts to become something that we're paying attention to. When Miley Cyrus advocates for veganism by getting a vegan tattoo, that makes the news. So what what we have to do is not change the media, but kind of join the media bandwagon and veganize the stories that they're that they're hosting. I have to tell you, uh, on a personal level, a personal story. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to hear. Yeah, I was at a Christmas get-together a couple weeks ago, and one of the people there is a producer for a major TV network, and he was looking for interesting Christmas stories for the next day. You know, I'm sitting there next to him, and I start pitching him some of the, like, the, the huge vegan potlucks and rescue events that are going on in Los Angeles, where I live, and that is how you get in. You yeah. look for the stories they're covering and you think about how you can twist it with a vegan lens and then you pitch it. You don't sit around saying, why isn't the media covering this? But you actually pitch them, you know? Yes, yes. I pitch constantly. I mean, you know, uh, I will say that um, when I worked at a tabloid show called Celebrity Justice, I worked very closely with PETA. And one thing we knew, because the, the criterion was, where's the celebrity, where's the justice for every story? And celebrities who would run from us because we were a tabloid show, literally they would run, literally get out of their cars and run for their lives. They would stop and turn around and talk to me when I'd say, what's your animal issue? I even spoke to Robert Redford. His publicists were fighting to get him away from me. And he said, no, I want to talk about the military sonar and the whales. And uh, this is an important issue for me. It's more important than anything. And so we were able to interview a lot of celebrities. And by hook or by crook, uh, when I had a national cable TV show, I did a weekly animal segment. And actually, when that show wrapped after a nice run of six years, I simply took all my social media and continued to do it with the concept that, well, one day a week, I reached XYZ people. If I did seven stories a day on social media, maybe I could one day approximate the same amount of people, or at least um, get the word out there as best I could. And so that was the the base, the inspiration for what I've been doing since uh, 2015. And so I agree with you 100%. I'm not trying to be uh, negative, but I can't also ignore the fact that the biggest threat to our planet today, globally, climate change, which... Uh, We are seeing more and more, whether it's the fires in Malibu, the Hurricane Florence in North Carolina, Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico, those are a mere appetizer to what is going to come down the pike if we don't reverse climate change. And what is being ignored is the principal cause of climate change, which is animal agriculture. It is the leading cause of deforestation. It is the leading cause of habitat extinction. It is the leading cause of human world hunger because animals are eating all the food that could go directly to people. We are starving humans while we are fattening up pigs and cows. And it is morally reprehensible that the powers that be 
the so-called best and the brightest, which by the way, if you read the book, was a sarcastic title, um, are, are refusing to give this issue the importance it deserves. And um, that's just a fact that I feel morally obligated to talk about, not to condemn, but to beg, to beg, to plead and say, please look at this. I send people I know when I still have their emails um, links to stories that lay it out very quickly with sources and I don't get a response. In fact, I've started writing songs. My next song is going to be no reply while they die and I cry. Oh my no gosh. reply while they die and I cry. Uh, address that if you will. Then we're going to go to a break in a second. I, I think the point is that we keep going. You are one of the most relentless people I know. I am one of the most relentless people I know. I think yes. what we have to do is not give up. And if we don't get a reply, we email someone else. I've had relationships like that. You know, it works sometimes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, if I look down at all, it's because I am sharing our video and I urge everyone else share it because social media is a gift. You know, everybody's attacking Facebook, and yes, they've made mistakes, but bravo for Facebook for allowing us to have this discussion. Bravo to Voice America influencers for allowing us to have this discussion, and I'd like to give a shout-out to our great uh, man in the control room, uh, A-Rod, and our executive producer, Tacey Trump, who have encouraged us and who are saying, yes, this is an important issue. Get it out there. Speak the truth. So we're going to take a very short break on Voice America Influencers, but we're staying live on Facebook. And uh, again, if you want to give us a call, you can give us a call at 866-472-5795. Um, see you in a second. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. There's a new force to be reckoned with in talk radio. It's not just talk radio. Hosted by LaTanya Jr. and co-host Tina Wynn and Tony Brown. Not Just Talk Radio is like a superhero. Inspiring, problem-solving, and informing. Packed with action-provoking conversations from news, movements, and social and politics issues. This program is about a wide range of voices and fresh points of view from experts, celebrities, and you, the listener. Not Just Talk Radio is broadcast live Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Do you believe that being fit is difficult? Do you think it requires turning in your favorite comfort foods for boring chicken and broccoli and spending hours in a gym? It doesn't. Tune into Have It All with Devin Alexander. Devin and her guest experts will show you how you can have it all at any age, from relationships to money to thinking bigger than you've ever imagined. Devin will fast-track your goals to yummy reality. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We don't follow, we lead. 
Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email in to janeunchainednews at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back, Jane Velez Mitchell. You are listening to Jane Unchained Voice America Influencers with Jasmine Singer, Vegan Powerhouse. We've got a caller on the line, Erica from Los Angeles. Your question or thought, Erica? Well, you brought up some really scary things about climate change and factory farming. And I'm just wondering what you think the top things that we can do as citizens uh, would be to affect these things or affect the politicians or people in power that you're referring to. I'll let you take that, Jasmine. I think that's a great question, and it's also a great reminder that we have the power, that we feel so powerless about so many aspects of our lives, but we are powerful regarding what we are consuming and what we are choosing not to. And when I say that, I don't just mean the food on our plate and going vegan, which is the number one thing that we can do. But beyond that, we have the power to support the media that we want to support. We have the power to reach out to our politicians, and you know, it kind of Jane, you just brought up uh, you just brought up being sober. It actually makes me think of the serenity prayer where we're, we're reminded of the things that we can control and the things that we can't control. Mm-hmm. And when I think about the things that we can control, I am reminded that if nobody is reaching out to my politician, then nothing is going to change. If nobody is writing smart op-eds to the newspapers, then none of them are going to ever get published. It's like when you open the newspaper and you think, why are all of these stories happening? Why is nobody doing anything about it? The onus at that point is on us to create communities of accountability and to determine for ourselves what a realistic goal is in terms of like how many letters we want to write each week or how many stories we want to post but we can't just be in an echo chamber with ourselves we have to be reaching far beyond that and actually reaching out to the media whenever possible i agree with you 100 percent. and you know what i always say is whatever your uh, ability is Put it to work for veganism and genuine environmentalism. Uh, and uh, so uh, right now, Jane Unchained News Network, which is a 501c3 nonprofit, has a vegan bookkeeper. Uh, we have a vegan webmaster. And so everybody who has these different talents can come together and use those talents. If you're a violinist, you can play violin at a Direct Action Everywhere protest, which actually... The last convergence I went to in Utah, there was a violinist playing and just supersized what would have been a somewhat more ordinary, already great demo, but just put it to another level with a a violin accompaniment to some speech. It doesn't matter what you do. We also found a vegan insurance company um, looking for insurance, which, uh, you know, nonprofits need. We found a vegan insurance company. So there's a whole veganomy that can also be occurring. And uh, <laughs> there's a veganomy, yeah. And it's happening. There's uh, amazing things happening. There's Vegan Linked, which is a vegan LinkedIn. Um, beyond that, I just mentioned two other things and I'll let you take it. There's Billion Vegans, which is going to be the Amazon for veganism. And there's also Vegan Nation. Um, so there's a lot of things happening. Can you address the veganomy? 
the v- can I address the Vienna? Well, that's the first time I've heard that word, and I love it, by the way. But the, I do want to address a little bit more directly what the caller said, which is like, what power do we have? And you mentioned that I have a book out, which is called Always Too Much and Never Enough, which is my story. And one thing that I really hope to do is embolden others to tell their stories. I think that the power of personal narrative and getting our journeys and our process out there is so underutilized in the vegan world and in the animal rights movement. Obviously, you have a couple memoirs out there, and they have really changed the world for a lot of people. And if we as a movement can come together, and by a movement, what I mean is anybody who wants to change the world for animals, wherever you are, you don't get like a club card when you go vegan or when you join the animal rights movement, whatever that is. Anybody who cares about animals and is on a vegan journey should tell their story, whether that's through videos or through writing or through getting together with like a salon in your living room and just sharing stories that is how social change happens so even though it's a bit of a pivot from what the caller had asked i honestly believe that telling our stories can also be exactly what it takes to change our politicians and to change the media and to change each other absolutely we're getting so many comments here uh from people who are very very positive about what you're saying uh, but also, there's a few uh, people who are, I'm never going vegan, and my husband ain't going vegan, and my son ain't going vegan. Mm-hmm. What do you say to those never vegans? Well, I, you know, I think that there are a lot of people who would watch this and feel compelled to say something like that, but we've all been there at some point or another. I am I'm inspired by the work of people who... Are, are involved with organizations such as the Reducitarian Movement that mm-hmm. works to help people who say, I will never go vegan, to start by going vegan three days a week before they go fully vegan or whatever is attainable for them. So whereas when I started, when I started on my own journey 15 years ago, it was more common to try vegetarianism for a few days. And, you know, now it's sort of like, well, if you're not going to lean fully into veganism, just try it three days a week. Try it five days a week. If you're one of the people who's commenting that you don't want to go vegan, then all I can say is try to replace a few meals a day or a few meals a week or something that whatever is attainable and keep an open mind and an open heart and educate yourself about the issues. Cause a lot of people care a lot about animals and have ideas about like what it means to be so-called better, better meat. And honestly, when you look further into that, you realize that it is not possible. You realize that we don't have enough land to have the type of agriculture that would be required if we had animals not in CAFOs, not confined in these factory farms. Factory and farming was a... Uh, the, additionally, it doesn't matter even if they had room. The ride to the slaughterhouse and the slaughter itself is uh, institutionalized torture. It's the only thing I can call. I've seen it with my own eyes and um, it's the stuff of nightmares. Um, I want to jump in because we have a caller, Shannon from Florida. What's your question or thought, Shannon? I, I learned so much every time I listen to the show and it's so amazing and I noticed that the chickens keep getting brought up and they are the large majority. And because people have such a hard time connecting with them, I'm wondering if you think maybe going at the health aspect with the, with the white meat, chicken and turkey might be a really good tactic to get these people to understand maybe in a different way at first and then the animals. 
Take it away. I think that it's a, a great point that you're dealing with different people all the time. So, you know, obviously I love birds. I have them tattooed all over my body. And when you're talking about the animal rights movement, you're talking about really birds because they make up 98% of the farmed animals who are killed each year for food. But to your point, a lot of people are so far removed from the fact that a bird is like a sentient individual that I think that there is always a way in with someone. It doesn't necessarily depend on like what group of people you're talking to, but it depends on the individual you're talking to. So if if you happen to be speaking with someone who has a New Year's resolution to be healthier, then sure, go in it from the health angle. And as you said, as a step toward, you know, maybe hopefully switching on the light for them as about the fact that animals are also individuals. But if you're going at it from someone who's like perhaps in a philosophy class then perhaps you might want to enlighten them to the work of Peter Singer, of no relation to me, by the way, who has been talking about animal rights and philosophy for since the 70s and is kind of known as the grandfather of the animal rights movement. If you're going at, if you're talking to someone who is environmentally conscious but has not yet learned about animal rights issues, then start to bring up the fact that the single biggest detriment to our planet is animal agriculture and begin that conversation. So I don't think it's necessary necessarily chick to bring up chickens and how they're sentient or not to bring up chickens and how they're sentient. I think it's about meeting people where they are in terms of their personal interests. Uh, Dina Farris Appel says, I'm loving the conversation. Thank you for the inspiration. And as for Amanda Jones, who's, who's never going vegan along with her husband and son, we welcome you wherever you are on the journey, Amanda, and we send you love. And, um, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Paige says, we have the power to purchase with our values and watch media with our minds consciously. Um, let me switch gears here and talk a little bit about Pollination Project. Tell us about that. Um, sure. I'm the director of storytelling for the Pollination Project, which speaks to what I was talking about earlier regarding how I think it is so important that we get our stories out there, not only our own, but also each other's. And the Pollination Project is an incredible foundation that gives small grants every single day of the year to do-gooders all across the globe in a variety of programs, from animal rights to LGBTQ issues. We have a strong program in East Africa that that is working to empower and embolden women and girls out there to change the world. Every single day at the pollinationproject.org, we publish the story of the do-gooder, the change maker, the activist, the advocate who is working in their community to change the world. This is everything from a pads and panties program in Kenya that helps girls who are not, who are missing school because they don't have pads or panties to be provided with that to people in Ghana who are given bicycles so that they can reach the their workplace or their school. These are small ways that people are changing the world. And there's a strong animal rights component to that. So for example, we recently funded an activist in India whose project is that he is providing water bowls to stray animals, whether they be dogs or cows. And so the value of community is of the utmost importance for 
for those of us who are involved with the pollination project, either behind the scenes or on the other end of the grants, in the sense that we are connecting each other to each other. We are connecting do-gooders in Kenya to do-gooders in Chicago. And my job, which is such an honor, is to really work to leverage these people's stories to make sure that they get out there. Well, you're an amazing storyteller. And your story that you've told in your TEDx talk and in your book uh, really, I think, resonates with so many people. And we all have an obligation to tell our stories. I'll tell you a story about myself for a second. Um, you know, we're working with the Ranchers Advocacy Program to <clears throat> get these farmers who are also trapped in a system. They often have onerous loans that um, are crippling. They can't get out of it. They, you know, who wants to raise uh, 100,000 chickens in warehouses? Uh, that's, as I've often said, I have three rescue dogs and a rescue cat with my girlfriend, and that's a full-time job. Imagine 40,000 animals in warehouses, and now with climate change, they're being flooded more and more, but they're trapped. They're trapped by the loans. They're trapped by the way they get fixed into the system. As Dr. Selesh Rao, who is a Stanford PhD, one of the creators of the internet said, we are all being factory farmed, not just the animals, the humans too. So we are trying to help them get out of the system. Well, I had a personal experience with how hard that is. Because when I was working with Dr. Selesh Rao, he says, our whole goal is to create a system of normalized nonviolence. Today, our society is based on normalized violence. Our profit centers are based on suffering, death, disease, and war. If you look at fast food, 74 billion animals, land animals alone, if you add fish, it's trillions, suffering and slaughtered every year. In terms of disease, you have humans eating the bad food, then getting disease, which uh, funds the pharmaceutical industry, and you have the endless war scenario with the military-industrial complex, which is a term coined, by the way, by a conservative Republican named Eisenhower. President Eisenhower is the one who warned of a military-industrial complex. So um, I listened to him and I said, oh my God, I'm part of the problem. I've been covering murders for years. And I had this moment of clarity and I said, I can't do it anymore. And you know what? There's so much pressure that I've gotten from friends and other people saying, oh, you're an idiot. You know, you, you keep your face out there. Get, take the money and donate. I'm not saying they're wrong. That's the culture. And what occurred to me was, oh, my God, these farmers, when they stop killing these animals, their friends, their neighbors, their relatives are pressuring them to go back. Stay with the current system. It gave me so much more compassion for what they were going through. And that's where we have to come from. Uh, compassion for people who are also raised in a system of normalized violence and trapped in a system of normalized violence. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right that what we need to do is create a new normal. And what I so appreciate about your story is the authenticity in the reflection of where you came from. But you also have a lot of compassion for yourself in that process. And that is so important for anybody who is awakening to the plight of animals and animal suffering in that we were once part of the problem. And there's a humility that comes with that for me now in recognizing the ways that 
I have yet to change, yet to evolve, the things I have yet to learn. I know that there's oftentimes this like kind of stigma attached to veganism that we are self-righteous or whatnot. And the truth is, we just think that we have been awakened to the issues of animal suffering, but that doesn't mean that we are awakened to all of the various spokes on the wheel of both suffering and possible inroads for new brands of compassion. So to your point, Jane, yes, absolutely. When we look at the whole system, we have to question what our role has been, and that has to be an ongoing discussion that we always have. Absolutely. And so um, another thought, which I'd like to talk to you about, we're going to take a break here, uh, our last break, but we're going to stay live on Facebook. Uh, another revelation I had is uh, one of our contributors, her tag is animal hostage negotiator. And I said, what the heck is that? And she said, well, I studied hostage negotiation with FBI, and it's a science that has been developed over years with uh, many case studies and really uh, an approach how do you get somebody who's holding people at the point of a gun to put down that gun and walk out? And uh, we need to use the same techniques that the FBI has developed to negotiate with people who are holding animals hostage because every human being kills hundreds of animals a year if they're eating animals and animal byproducts. Um, in fact, when you eat a fast food hamburger, meat burger, it's processed meat for many different sources. You can be eating the body parts of hundreds, literally hundreds of animals in that one hamburger. Ooh, that's not a, an appetizing thought. But the point is that we have to get inside their heads and try to understand what's going to make these people who are so conditioned to eat this food that is really a very modern problem. You know, fast food only came on the scene in the mid-1950s. Um, our great-grandparents actually ate much more vegan. You know, meat was a tiny little thing. If you were Catholic, fish on Friday, but there was a consciousness that this was some kind of exception and that there was tremendous amounts of vegetables on the plate. Um, you know, the Norman Rockwell painting really screwed us over because it created that template that there's got to be a dead bird in the middle of the table, a dead animal, a dead roast. But that wasn't really the case until very recently, people couldn't afford, industrialized farming did not exist on this scale. People couldn't access animals that easily. They didn't come prepackaged. So we, how do we get inside the heads of people who are being brainwashed 24-7, 365 with billboards? When I drive down the freeway, it says five miles to the next McDonald's, five miles to the next Wednesday. It's built into the freeways. And we wonder why people have a hard time waking up. So let's take a brief break here and we'll come back for our last segment on Voice America Influencers. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. 
Financial freedom and money are subjects that many people are uncomfortable discussing. These don't have to be. Listen for Money, Mindset, and Love with Thomas DeShooter. We're all about sharing ideas with tips, amazing guests, and input from you, the listeners. It's time to dream big and help each other reach our goals. Not only will you get closer to financial freedom, but you'll learn more about spirituality, work-life balance, and empowerment. Listen live Thursdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Influencers. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Now, uh, I want to discuss, we're here with the amazing Jasmine Singer, who is a vegan powerhouse, Veg News, one of my favorite, I would say perhaps my favorite publication. Yeah. Um, and uh, Pollination Project, Our Hen House, TEDx, <laughs> books, it's everything. But here, this is an interesting thing. Now, uh, so Star Elliot, who's, we love her. Carl's Jr. doesn't have vegan mayo or cheese in his cook with the meat. Then Paige says, Beyond Meat Patties, skip the cheese and mayo, yet their special sauce and their seeded buns are vegan also. So let me ask you a question. Because we, I believe, personally, we can't afford to be that purist where we are, oh, if it's cooked on the same grill, we won't try it. Because... It's up to us vegans to keep this thing alive and get it going so that other people try it. Um, sure, I'm not going to go out of my way to eat a vegan burger that was grilled on a grill with, other, with meat, but I'm thinking about the animals. What's going to save the most animals? I'm going to Carl's Jr. I'm ordering a vegan burger, and I'm eating it. And I'm sorry that it's not grilled separately, but we need Animals are dying by the billions. We can't afford to pick nits at this moment. Go address that. Maybe I'm wrong. I had this conversation with our senior news editor, Anna Starosinovskia, at Veg News this morning. We were talking about that. And we were talking about the fact that when you're on Wilshire here in Koreatown in Los Angeles, on one hand, on one side of the street, you've got your Carl's Jr. that has a brand new vegan patty from Beyond Meat. And on the right side, you've got your Monty's, which is the Impossible Burger. And, you know, my, my partner, who has been vegan for 25 years, we were going to head out to Carl's Jr. the other day. And she she was like, you know what? I don't want to go. It's grilled on the same, you know, grill. And I, I'm, I'm going to head there. But my, my partner, not that I want to speak for her, but she, but she would be happy that Carl's Jr. has it. She just personally wouldn't 
eat it. And so I think we can't confuse like our personal choices with like what is better for the animals. And for me personally, I think that like we don't have a whole lot of time left when you look at what's going on, the destruction of climate change and the fact that right now you were talking right before the break about the sign on the freeway that it says five miles to the next McDonald's. Chances are it's not Monty's, the vegan place on the right that is going to get the next billboard. Rather, it is Carl's Jr. So what we can do is work within the system to create vegan options. And, you know, I am so unbelievably excited about the fact that, you know, these fast food chains are waking up to the fact that plant-based burgers, there is enough of a demand for them. In fact, at McDonald's, the first vegan Happy Meal option was just introduced in the UK with a vegan chicken wrap that can also be ordered by adults who want to be happy. So I'm totally with you, Jean. It's not about us. It's about the animals. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah, I, I just uh, have had that same debate with people. Uh, you know, progress, not perfection, to use a, um, uh, a sobriety slogan. You know, it's a process, not an event. And so we have to be along on the process. I agree with you. What I see is things going veganish. Kathy Freston wrote a great book called Veganish. And uh, this isn't about litmus testing. I'm not trying to win the word vegan. In fact, if we never use the word again, I could care less. I'm trying to stop the slaughter of 74 billion animals a year, land animals. How do we do that? We do that by making gradual changes. The society is pivoting. The society is doing course correction after course correction. That's how progress happens. It's not going to be a miracle where we all wake up. So I don't think we can afford to be purists in the sense that I'm going to go there and I'm going to have a Carl's Jr. vegan burger with the seeded bun and the special sauce. And I'm going to celebrate that because that is going to save a lot of animals. It's got to take off. Um, Now, I want to address one other thing. Uh, Starbucks. Starbucks, when I was in Zurich, Switzerland this summer, has a fantastic vegan falafel that literally flies off the shelves. I got the last one and it was almost like a little tussle with this other lady who wanted it. (laughs) And I asked the guy, he goes, oh, this has been around for a long time, this vegan falafel, and it's, it's our best seller. Okay, this is all live. We have this live uh, on, uh, we went live at Starbucks in, in, uh, in Switzerland. And, uh, you know, of course, I'm thinking, oh, my God. So Starbucks knows better. They know how to make something that tastes good. They put a cookie out, which was applauded, but it was rather chalky. And uh, I was involved with Compassion Over Killing's campaign to get that cookie. Now they're thinking of taking it off. Well, guess what? We know Uncle Eddie's makes delicious cookies. We know plenty of delicious cookies. Starbucks did not create a delicious cookie. They, I'm wondering, you know, I don't think they went out of their way, maybe intentionally, to create a non-tasty vegan cookie so they could say it doesn't sell and take it off the market. Not only that, but none of the uh, cookies were labeled as vegan. And the baristas I spoke to when I was trying to figure out which vegan cookie to sample, they didn't know what vegan was, and they had no idea whether or not that was vegan, and I was holding up the line. So what do you say to Starbucks as we wrap it up? Well, I'm actually, I, you sound, you, you, you definitely sound like you have a gripe with Starbucks and I can understand it for sure. But I actually think that Starbucks has been making huge strides, not yet in terms of the food offerings, though they're starting to go there, but in terms of like the ways that they have these incredible vegan drinks. And, you know, I've, 
traveled across the country enough times to know that when you see the big Starbucks sign in the background, it's a really exciting thing for a coffee drinking vegan such as myself. So I think that Starbucks should be celebrated for what strides it has taken. And I do think that the coming years will have more and more vegan options. Star Starbucks to me is definitely on board with veganism. The CEO of Starbucks has come out talking about how plant-based is the future. And I am optimistic. Well, you know what? Uh, I stand corrected. Uh, by the way, Dina Apple says, I agree 100%, Jane. We can't let per the perfect be the enemy of progress. So um, you're absolutely right. I am a coffee drinker. I've given up everything else. <laughs> I've given up alcohol. I've given up, obviously, that was not a sacrifice to give up meat and dairy. Ugh. I've, I've been vegan for many years. You've given up men. I've given up men. <laughs> I've given up, uh, yes, now I have to give up, you know, uh, my vegan ice cream. But be that as it may, I am a coffee drinker. And yes, when I see Starbucks, I get happy because I know I can get almond milk or soy milk, even though they charge me extra for it. Yeah. Um, so it is a, an oasis often when you're going around and you want a good cup of coffee. They have great coffee. I'm not trying to knock Starbucks, but obviously they're super smart. They already have a great vegan falafel in Europe. And it's flying off the shelves. Why not bring it here? Why wait when we have eight years before all wildlife vertebrates will be decimated except in zoos? That's the rate at which we are destroying forests to grow crops to feed 74 billion farm animals. You know, the Howard Schultzes of the world are smart people. They all know it's not sustainable. They all know the major meat producers. That's why ever, all these fast food places are investing in this stuff. Everybody sees the handwriting on the wall. So why the foot dragging? I, you know, honestly, I think that like Starbucks, I, they, they did have a vegan option here. And you're right. They're not that good. I'm not sure Starbucks is the right, is, is the right, tree to be barking up though i think okay. that they're on our side and okay. you know they could stand to do better and that probably from a campaign perspective makes them low-hanging fruit because they're already on board so maybe they will take the next steps and for some reason nothing starts in the united states everything starts in like finland or the uk <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why but if you look at ikea which is like my single favorite store and if you want to see the ikea catalog and you're watching this facebook live just look behind me at my apartment because pretty much everything is from ikea they are making such huge strides in terms of the plant-based market. I go to the one in Burbank all the time for a 75 cent hot dog, which oh, is yeah. of course totally plant-based. They already have the vegan version of the Swedish meatballs in the cafe upstairs. This year they're going to be introducing vegan soft serve. The reason I'm bringing up uh, Ikea in the discussion about Starbucks is because it also started in Finland and it caught on. And now vegans can get a bookshelf that they don't know how to put together and they can, you know, eat out their frustrations with plant-based hot dogs. Yeah. I actually went there and sampled it at the Burbank, uh, Ikea, the and it's, it's great. It's delicious. And what they did was they created a, a vegan hot dog and they have the vegan Swedish meatballs. You're absolutely right. It's fantastic. Um, by the way, I invite Ikea, Starbucks, Carl's Jr. Anytime we, this is a dialogue. Um, Nothing would make me happier than to talk to an executive from Starbucks and just 
have a dialogue. This is not one any individual. This is institutional change, which is hard. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to create institutional change. So it's all positive. Um, you know, it's hard to just say, well, um, no problem. Things are getting better. When we go to pig vigils, there was a pig vigil last night in Los Angeles. And if you go to Jane Unchained, facebook.com slash Jane Velez Mitchell, you'll see the pigs uh, live as they're going into the slaughterhouse, making eye contact with our wonderful contributor, Ashley Frude, who went there on a very cold, dank night. And uh, these poor animals, they have the emotional and psychological development of toddler children. And so when I see those videos, when I go to the vigils and I make eye contact with these babies, they're babies when they're slaughtered, um, I have to speak up for them. Then I walk into a Starbucks and I see ham, 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 bacon. I have to speak up for them. There is a better way. There's no need to be killing those babies today. It's the 21st century. So yes, I want to be positive, but I also want to speak for those animals because if you did to a dog, what they do to those pigs routinely, they're all painted with death marks and they're, they're castrated without anesthesia and, you know, just, it, it, we don't even want to bring you down by telling you the horrible things they experience, taken away from their mothers. Um, you'd be put in jail for animal cruelty, but there's exceptions for farm animals. They're treated like objects. This has to end. And people like Jasmine Singer are making it end. So we only got a couple of minutes. I'll let you wrap it up. What, I, what, what's the I, takeaway? <laughs> I think both things are true. I guess I just want to say very, very clearly that, yes, of course, we have to speak up. We have absolutely no choice because if we want to live in a world that is just and fair, not just for us and for our kids and for our dogs and for our cats and for our neighbors, but also for the ones who they throw behind close doors, lock the doors, don't include windows, then we have to use our voices. It is our privilege, our unjust privilege, to be able to speak up for those who can't. And simultaneously to that, we can choose hope as a strategy. It doesn't mean that we're ignorant. And it doesn't mean that we wake up every day and we say, I'm feeling hopeful today. Oftentimes I don't feel hopeful, but I will choose to be hopeful because it's something that's going to get me through the day. And it is something that is going to get me through my activism. And it's something that is going to get me excited to be going to a place like Starbucks or Carl's Jr. that is doing so many things wrong, but it's also doing so many things right. And that's why I choose hope as a strategy. That's why at our head house we choose to be indefatigably positive and that does not mean that we're using that as an excuse to not speak up for those animals who are being mutilated in their genitals who are being slaughtered as babies who are being stolen from their families and who are being put in places so tiny that they can't turn around or extend their wings these are the exact same conditions that we have put other groups other marginalized groups through throughout the course of history for a lot of those groups our society has evolved to be on the right side of history and i have no doubt that we can do the same for animals and that is why jasmine singer is the powerhouse she is i want to thank you jasmine i know you're very busy and I, I really have enjoyed this conversation. It's gotten such great comments. Uh, and uh, I, I just think that you're an inspiration. And you fill me with hope. And all the wonderful comments we got. And please share this video so that somebody else might see it and have that light bulb moment. 
you know, the tipping point, everybody debates, what's the percentage of the population when we hit the tipping point? Is it 3.5%? Is it 10%? We don't know, but we're headed there and we're about to tip. You can be on the right side of history. And I want to thank, again, Voice America Influencers for letting us have this conversation. Tacey Trump, who is our executive producer. A-Rod, who's in the control room. And the amazing Jasmine Singer and my baby little Rico. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.